Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. Christ paid for the breaking of the law so we don't have to. Today, Robert Quintana shares why Jesus couldn't ignore the consequences of sin and how we can find that beautiful blend between grace and justice. And his message, Grace Like Rain. You guys are brave making it out here today. When I left this morning, it wasn't nearly as bad as it is now. And I looked outside just a little bit ago and it is coming down. They said four to eight inches. So, yeah, it's going to, before Thanksgiving, can you believe that? It is going to be an awesome winter, (laughs) I think. Gail said to me, four to eight inches, and I said, 48 inches? No, four to eight. But anyways, thanks for being here, and please be careful on your way back, and uh, um, this, uh, just a little bit ago, I looked up in the balcony. I said, that's the first time I've ever looked up there and there's no one there. And obviously, the weather has kept so many back. And I thought to myself, you know what? Uh, it is communion Sabbath. And sometimes that holds people back. You look on the website, you look at the schedule, the preaching schedule, the calendar, and it says communion And there are some families, some individuals that say, well, that'll be a good Sabbath to miss. We'll go on a hike that Sabbath. And I've often wondered why it is that so many people kind of stay away from communion Sabbath. I mean, I have my reasons um, that I think, um, you know, maybe some people feel uncomfortable. Uh, Maybe they don't understand it. Maybe it's just the fact that it usually takes a little longer than other Sabbaths. You know, by the time you get back from the foot washing and then you go through the bread and the wine, it's 1230. You know, we're not leaving church till like 1245. Maybe that's why. I don't know. I do remember, though, growing up, I grew up in the church and uh, communion was just a part of church. You know, I just came and it was just something that we did once a quarter. I never really thought much about it, you know, until I was old enough and my parents thought that I was old enough to now partake. And I remember taking, you know, partaking of my first communion and thinking to myself, okay, this is kind of silly. Don't you think you should make the bread a little bit bigger, you know, and can I get a little bit more juice? You know, as a child, I'm thinking to myself, maybe I wasn't old enough to partake of my first communion. But, you know, it was just a part. And as I grew up and experienced communion more and more, and especially as a pastor and you study communion and what it represents, obviously it means so much more to me now than it did back then. And I still learn more and more and I pull more lessons out of what this service represents. I mean, a service that Jesus, think about this, that Jesus put in place 2,000 years ago when he was here on earth. And he told his disciples, do this 
And as often as you do this, remember my sacrifice for you. And so the Christian church, his disciples have been doing this for 2,000 years and we continue to do it and we will continue to do it until we see him face to face. But I've often thought, why is it that there are some that will sneak out after the message and not partake of communion or not come to communion at all? And I got to thinking about my own life and I got to thinking about times in my life where I thought, you know what, maybe I'll pass communion this time around. And the one thing that I came up with, times that I have felt like I don't want to partake of communion is when I have felt unworthy. Is when something's going on in my life, whether uh, circumstances or whatever it might be, and I think to myself, you know what, I shouldn't partake of communion today because I'm not worthy. You know, I need to get my life straight before I can enter into this relationship with him. And you know, unfortunately, that is a mentality that a lot of people have, not just with communion, but with the Christian journey altogether. And they refuse to give their lives over to Christ. They refuse to to be baptized or they refuse to even come to church. They refuse to partake of communion because there is something in their life that they're trying to overcome. There is an addiction. There are circumstances in their life. And they think to themselves, when I get my act together, then I'll start going to church. When I get it squared away, then I'll be baptized. When I figure it out, then I'll partake of communion. And I need to tell you here today that if you are thinking that, you could not be further away from the truth you have bought into one of the devil's deceptions. And what I want to share with you here today hopefully will help you understand that it doesn't matter where you are in life today. I hope you understand that it doesn't matter where you've been in life. God is always willing and able to bring you back into the family and to accept you with open arms. I want to share with you a story in scripture that I know we've read many times before. It's a story that's told time and time again. It's found in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. Turn there with me if you can. Luke chapter 15 starting with verse 11, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And it says this, Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to him his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living or wasteful living. Now, I know that many of us have been in that situation where we have turned to God and we have said to God, God, I have a better way. God, I think I can figure this out on my own. This is the road that I have chosen, 
So thank you very much for the gifts that you've given me, but I am choosing to take those gifts that you've given me, whether they're spiritual gifts, whether they're financial gifts, whatever those gifts may be, thank you, but I'm going to use them in another way. And so we turn our back on God and we follow the dictates of our own evil hearts. Now, this isn't new. The human race has been doing this since the beginning of time. You can go all the way back to the book of Genesis, to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve thought, you know what? We have a better way. We have a better plan. God, I know what you've laid out before us. I know that this is what you hope for us. I know that this is what you want us to do. This is what your word says. But God, we don't believe you. And we're going to do things our way. And we've been doing that for centuries. And even here today, we do it. We say, God, you know, I know what the word of God says about forgiveness. Lord, I know what the Bible says about how we should treat one another. You know, God, I know what the Bible says about how I should treat my husband or how I should treat my wife. But you know what? I have a better way of doing things. We do it at work. God, I know what you say about work and how I should, how I should interact with my coworkers, with my boss. But God, I have a better way. You know, we do it with our finances. God, I know what you have to say about finances and the interaction that I should have, the relationship that I should have with, with my money, with my finances. I know it says it right there, but God, I have a better way. I'm going to try it my way. And so we do this day in and day out. And there are times, like today, where we are faced with a decision. Will we come to God? Will we surrender? Or will we continue our own ways? And so many of us, we think, no, you know what? Let me get it straight. Let me fix it first before I come to God. Let me square things away. Let me get my relationships in order. Let me get my financial situation in order. Let me overcome whatever addiction it is that I'm struggling with before I come to God, before I surrender and come before his throne. And so we sneak out of church right before communion service, or we see it on the schedule and we skip it all together, or we sit in our pews when the pastor makes a call for baptism. Or we say no to the invitation to go to church because we think to ourselves, you know, I know that my life isn't where it needs to be right now, but I'm going to get it straight. I'm going to do it my way. And when I get it all working together and it's perfect, when I've, when I've memorized enough passages in scripture, when I have a heart for service and missionary, when my relationships are where they should be, then I'll give my life to Christ. Here, it says that he decided to do things his own way. And he said to the father in verse 12, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, listen to what it says in verse 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land 
and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And the world gladly have filled, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Let me just tell you right here, right now, that if you decide to do things your way, it will ultimately lead to destruction. People have been trying this since the beginning of time. People have been trying to do it their way. And hundreds of thousands and billions of people have been trying to do it their own way. Where has it gotten us? Where has it gotten us? And I want to say to the young people here today, there have been billions of people before you that have tried to do it their own way. And at the end of their little experiment, every single one of them will tell you that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is the only truth. That Jesus is the only life. We try and do it our own way. The Bible tells us that there is a way that seems right unto a man. But that way leads to death. Whenever you try and do things your own way, it is a dead end. It will lead to destruction. It will lead to pain. It will lead to sorrow. It will lead to discomfort, to confusion when you try and do things your own way. And so that is why it is necessary for us to surrender. To surrender to God Almighty. And I want you to to, to continue reading here with me because we're getting to the crux of today's message. And it says here in verse 17, but when he came to himself... In other words, when he came to his senses, when he realized as as hundreds of thousands of billions of people have done before him, when he came to his senses and he says, you know, doing things my own way isn't going to get me anywhere. Doing things my own way doesn't bring peace. It doesn't bring the financial security that I've been looking for. It doesn't bring the happy marriage that I've been seeking. When I do things my way, it doesn't work. And he realized that when he was in the pit, when he was longing for the food that the pigs were eating. He came to his senses, the Bible says. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger? Verse 18, I will rise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I will no longer and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Stop right there. So he came to his senses. He realizes that doing things his own way isn't working. And there are many of us here today that maybe are realizing for the first time in many years that doing it our way or my way is not 
working. And what is necessary, what's in need is for there to be a surrender. And so here, this young man comes to his senses. He realizes that the way I've been doing things isn't working. It's only leading to a dead end. It's only leading to my destruction. And so he decides that he's going to turn back to the father and go back home. And he thinks, man, if I can only be a servant in my father's house, I will be much better off than in the situation that I'm currently in. The Bible tells us that better is a one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. He realized that. And so he goes back to the father. Now, let me ask you a question. I want you to put yourself in the mind, in the head of that young man going back home. I want you to think of what he was thinking, how his father was going to respond to him coming back. Think about that. Put yourself in his head. He's coming back. What do you think he was thinking? How do you think he thought the father was going to respond. Tell me if this doesn't make sense to you. The father, standing with his hands crossed on the porch, looking at him all the way up. Well, it's about time, son. You learned your lesson? You dare come back now? After you've, after you've marred our family name? after you've disgraced my name, after you've taken part of our inheritance, part of your inheritance, and you've squandered it, oh, now you're coming back. Is that right? And now that you want more, is that what it's, is that what it's all about? And you know, unfortunately, many of us have that same view of God. We go astray, We follow the dictates of our own evil hearts. Many of us, we do things the way we think they ought to be done. They lead to destructions. They lead to bad habits. They lead to addictions. They lead to broken relationships. And then when given the choice to come back, we think, oh no, I can't go back. He won't accept me. He won't take me back. Not after what I've done. Not after I've made a mess of things. And so we say, I need to fix it first before I can go back, before I'm baptized, before I can enter into this relationship with him, I need to fix things. And so we run, we hide, we, we waste our energy trying to fix things in our lives, not realizing that it is only in a covenant relationship with him that we are given the wisdom, the strength, and the desire to change. So I want you to see the picture that Jesus paints here of the Father. And it says here in verse 20, and he arose and came to his Father. But when he, the Father, when he The son was still a great way off. I picture that it was like as soon as the father saw a shadow of what he thought was the son, when he was still a great distance off, the Bible says that 
his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father ran to him, embraced him. The father threw himself over him, had compassion, and he grabbed him. What does the Bible tell us? It says here in verse 21, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Did the father say, yeah, you're right. You've really disgraced us. I can't believe that you did what you did. The father didn't even address it. The father didn't even acknowledge it. The father was so happy and so overwhelmed that the son had returned. That it says here, but the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for my son who was dead is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. That's how the father responded. That's how the father acted. He was, his heart was so filled with compassion when the son returned that he ran to him. He hugged him. He kissed him. Put the best robe on him. Put the sandals on his feet. Son, you're back in the family putting the ring on his finger. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what addictions you're battling with, what bad habits. It doesn't matter where your relationships are right now. God says to you, I will accept you back into the family. He says to you, come all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I'd like for you to look at that passage in Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 is such a beautiful passage. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 says this. Come to me, all who are labor, all who labor and are heavy laden. You know, he doesn't say, come to me, all who have figured it out. You know, come to me, all who understand my plan of salvation. It doesn't say, come to me, all who, you know, uh, obey all of my laws or at least half of my laws. No. If you labor, If you are heavy laden, he says, come. Come to me as you are. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, come to me. You know, Jesus knows, God knows. He understands that we are in terrible shape. He understands that we are sinful, that we have a sinful nature. He knows that we sin on a regular basis. We sin even when we don't know that we're sinning. We are like filthy rags. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And he says that even your righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God. How then is God going to expect from you perfection that is only of Christ? How is he going to expect that perfection from you that is only of Christ? In other words, how is he going to expect from you the righteousness that belongs only to Christ? Do you not see that that is why Jesus, the righteous one, came and died on the cross for you? So that you have an opportunity to enter into this covenant relationship with him. And then in the context of that covenant In the context of that relationship, you now have the strength and the power and the wisdom and the desire to change those bad habits, to change your circumstances, to start doing things according to his will in that relationship, in that covenant relationship with him. You know, I have a little illustration here. Hopefully will help bring this message home to you. Have you ever heard of that saying, boy, you need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Have you ever heard that? I'm glad I actually brought him today. I wasn't planning on the snow but I'm glad I brought my snow boots. Have you ever tried to pick up yourself by your bootstraps? Would you like me to demonstrate? (laughs) All right. I am going to try and demonstrate to you what it means to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Doesn't work, does it? It's impossible. You cannot pick yourself up by your bootstraps. And yet this is what we try and do every day. We need to surrender. We need to come before God and we need to say, God, I understand I'm not worthy and I understand that I don't have it together. I understand that I don't even get the plan of salvation fully and I don't understand all the doctrines and I understand that my relationships aren't where they need to be, but God, I come to you and I surrender. I enter into this relationship with you. Because when you enter into that relationship with him, that is when change starts. That is when change begins. Because now in that covenant relationship with him, 
you will be given the strength, the courage, the desire to want to change those bad habits, to want to change those, your circumstances. It starts changing the way that you think. So today we have an opportunity. Every one of us has an opportunity to surrender, to stop running, stop thinking that you have to be perfect or that there's, there's a certain spiritual plateau that you need to reach before you can give your life to him. No, today we have an opportunity through the practice of communion to take of the bread and the wine and symbolically just say, Jesus, I surrender. I give my life to you. I'm not even sure what it all means, but I'm giving my life over to you because I am tired of trying to do it my way. And so in this covenant relationship, God, please just take over. So I do hope and pray that you take advantage of this time, of this opportunity that you have today to take part of communion where you will be saying, God, I surrender. I surrender to you. Now, just a few things I want to share with you here at the Adventist Church. We do practice open communion. And what that means is that you don't need to be a member of our church. You don't need to be a member of our denomination. If you're someone here today who is desiring to surrender your life, if you're desiring to enter into this covenant relationship with Christ, we invite you to partake of this ceremony as we surrender our lives to him. Our Father in heaven, God, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness. We thank you that while we were still enemies, the Bible says, you died on the cross for us. How silly of us to think that we need to get our act together first. How silly of us to think that we must first feel like we're worthy before coming into your presence. The truth is, we're not worthy now, and we never will be, for only one is worthy, and that is Jesus Christ. And that is why we come before you, before your throne this morning, in the name of Jesus Christ. We come before you in his presence Having been covered by the blood that was shed on Calvary, we come before you because of the price that was paid. We come before you today and we surrender. And we say, God, take over. We're tired of doing it our own way. We've learned from either personal experience or we've learned from seeing someone else, maybe a big brother, big sister. We've learned from seeing someone else trying to do it their own way. It only led to pain. It only led to destruction. So God, today, we come before you and we surrender. We surrender our ways. We enter into this covenant relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you do the work in us that we are not able to do on our own. In Christ's name we pray. 
Amen. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click the sermon audio link.